enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. Look at me, Tim. It's all for you. (coughs) Look at me, Andy. It's all for you. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I, we get together. We talk about a different movie from the horror genre, from your well-known classics, down to that rare gem that goes to the city of Megadoo and sees Bougainhaden before it's too late at the back of your video store shelf. This week, Tim and I are going to do a movie that's just barely younger than me mm. from 1976. It's the Omen. Tim, any anything uh like ominous ever happened to you in your life? I can think of one thing in my life where I was like, "Damn!" Oh, that I have talked about on the show before. Okay, so where where I get like a hint of something before yeah. it happens? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, let's see. That's a great question. I it, it happens a lot, actually. And sometimes I wonder if it's a thing where yeah, maybe you just get into a certain frame of thinking where you're trying to pick up a few more sure. signs from things. But like how many times and, and it kind of makes you wonder, like if there really is something to it or it's just the fact that you're for whatever stretch of time, actually paying attention to your life to where like the, one of the biggest ones that people will say is like, um, you're thinking about a song and then you hear it on the radio, right? Something like that. Um, I don't know, like, of course, you know, I'm searching for an example of like, like the big ones where you like have a dream that somebody dies and then they actually die or something like that. Um, I, I can't say that I've had that before. Um, but I do, I feel deja vu often, and I I think that a lot of it boils down to just being perceptive, and so it kind of, sometimes you can sort of trick yourself into thinking that you thought of it before it happened. Yeah. But a lot of that, I think, is a defense mechanism, because, I mean, especially that's why we hear so many examples are of like... Like, um, oh, I just I, ha- I woke up that day and I just felt like something was wrong, you know, and then like their grandma dies that night or right. something like that. And what that is, is just your mind's way of of taking away the shock of it. It makes you feel like you've got more of a handle on it emotionally if you somehow felt it before it happened. Yeah. You know, so. What a surprisingly rational explanation of that review. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you weren't expecting that. But yeah, it is. And, you know, I think uh, I think um, I used to do this a lot more, but not there's no way to not make this sound morbid. But I think I used to put myself through the emotions of if something really bad happened um, so that it, in kind of a way to sort of protect yourself from if it does happen that, that you feel like you've already put yourself through that. I know that there was one time when now, thank God this, this doesn't really fit what you're asking, but I had a dream about um, one of my daughters 
and when they were babies. Yep. And it was, it was, I won't go into detail, but it was so horrific that I woke up the next morning, went down to, you know, have breakfast or whatever, and just literally started openly weeping because it was so traumatizing yep. what, what I had gone through. But again, that that's just your mind actually trying to help you. It's doing it in a really shitty way, but it's saying like, I know that you're dealing with waking up every day and saying, how do I keep this thing alive? You know, how do I keep this child alive? It's right. my job. It's, it's everything. So it's, it's sort of putting you through the rigors of the worst to kind of let yourself get through a day without being obsessed with that thought. Yeah. So, um, you know, surprisingly, I, I, I'm not gonna, you know, I don't want to embellish anything. I just think that I make such a personal habit of putting myself through things before they happen <laughs> that it doesn't seem like any big deal. Um, have you ever experienced it? What was the one thing you were referencing? Uh, it was the, the, I had a dream about, Freddy Krueger chasing my friends and I, we were on skateboards and he was driving an ice cream truck. Nothing, nothing that had ever been alluded to in any of the movies before that he owned, operated an ice cream truck at all. And then I saw the first episode of that show, the night, oh. uh, Freddy's nightmares or whatever. Yeah. And it's before he's burned and he gets, you know, he's released from his trial due to some technicality and he goes back to his, boiler room warehouse and rips the tarp off this ice cream truck. And I was like, what? Because that dream was also, I don't remember a lot of dreams like yeah. personally. Um, it's so rare when I do. And so that dream was so vivid to me and stuck with me, obviously for a while that I remembered it while watching that show. I was like, holy shit, the ice cream truck. What the fuck? Yeah, no, that's that is eerie. Yeah, you know, it's it would be different if you had that and it didn't have anything to do with like a demon that wants to kill you in your <laughs> right. in their dreams, right. but or your dreams. But yeah, that's that is creepy. But see, that's to me, it's just a crazy coincidence. And because there was no other like, it's not like I was, I have influence over that franchise or something. You know, it might be then. Oh, is there is there more to this coincidence? simply because of my other involvements in it or something, but because I'm just a guy who's seen the movies or whatever. Sure. Like that coincidence, I brush it off. It's just like, wow, crazy. Well, and it, it brings, you know? it brings to mind. I remember, I, I don't know this, if this was in like a, I'm guessing it was a psychology class where we learned the real power. And I, I, I'd love to quote it exactly, but I can't remember, but the, the real power of human sense and, and memory. So there was something to the effect of like, even though we we sort of drown it out with all of the other stimuli in our life, there was something that says that like in a, let's say a typical like 1300 square foot apartment or whatever, that if there was like one eyedropper of perfume put on the carpet in the middle, that we can actually smell that. Yeah. But that we, you know, we think about the things that we want to smell first, you know, sure. We're going to smell this other thing or this other thing, or we're not thinking about that perfume. We're not seeking it out. So we just kind of block it out. Yeah. But our capacity for all of our senses is is almost uh, supernatural, but it's it's not. It's completely natural. Yeah. We just don't tap into it. Like so, if you went in, before you went in that room, if someone was like, "Let me know if you smell perfume," while you're in there, 
yeah. probably more yeah, sure. susceptible sure. to right. Well. And so, so that begs the question. Now you couple that with memory. All right. So this is kind of an explanation of, of deja vu. You've got your entire waking life. You've got your entire unconscious dreaming life. Isn't it a thousand percent possible that at any given time, any given action throughout a day is going to remind you of something, especially if it maybe reminds you something from a dream. Right. So you don't have a real close conscious connection to it. But um, I think that our brain has a much larger storage capacity than than we give it credit for. Yeah. So that people might be like now for, for what you just described with Freddie. That's so specific that that's different than what I'm talking about. That's that's pretty cool. That's yeah. eerie. Um, but I think that a lot of people might attribute certain things that they experience to something more supernatural when it, in actuality, it's just you remembering something where this gets a lot easier for us now is the Internet. So there are things like I remember having the uh, the sticks vinyl album that had the Mr. Roboto song on it. And on the back, it had pictures that weren't just like normal, like print pictures. It looked like it was from a movie. And I'm like, so my whole life, I'm like, God, there was there a movie and why can't I find it anywhere? And why is (laughs) nobody talking about about it? Mr. Roboto movie. Right. And then do you know where I'm going with this? Okay. So our friend, a guy that we know, actually is friends with Dennis DeYoung, the lead singer of, of sticks, the original singer. And, um, Dennis like contacted him. Like he was getting ready to do some sort of like commemorative concert or whatever. And this guy, this friend of ours was such a sticks fan that he's like, Hey, why don't you send me the video of that old promo video that you shot that you used to show before the Mr. Roboto tour. They made a short, they made a short about the storyline and they would show it before the concert and they'd go into the concert, yada, yada. And then he ended up sort of like just cleaning up the images and everything for him to be able to show that again. Yeah. Um, So that's something that here I am like struggling, like, God, I think there was a movie, but nobody knows what I'm talking about. And then I can go on the internet or something like all these years later and be like, well, yeah, there's a reason for that. You know, (laughs) it's just um, our memories get so clouded with other things. But um, no, I think this is the one thing you watch the uh, that video. No, no, I'd love to. I mean, I'd love to see it. So I could somewhere. Oh, yeah. Well, it's uh, Paul Braun. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah you figured that. Yeah. So, I mean, he, I'm sure he's got it. You know, it's a file somewhere than his computer. Um, but, uh, but no, that's, that's kind of, this is, you're catching me at a really non superstitious, supernatural yeah, moment man. here. This is, uh, but I'm, but I'm excited. In this episode, what the fuck are we going to talk about? <laughs> right, yeah. The whole fucking yeah. movie is supernatural. But no, um, but, but it's only because it's actually cooler to me to talk about or to think about the capacity of humans to to recall things to remember things to sense things the 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 tricks that your mind will play on itself yeah. to comfort you to keep you from you know uh overwhelming emotions that sort of thing cuz what people don't think about is like our what's cool and specific about our brains and what helped us evolve from you know, a primate to this is the brain's ability to recognize patterns. Like yeah. that's how we got agriculture essentially is like, Oh, 
I can recognize seasons because that, those stars, I remember those stars looking like that before. Maybe that does that a lot. And, you know, we start picking up patterns. So if something happens outside of that pattern, like I'm thinking about a song and it played on the radio, we don't think of all the other times we're thinking about a song and it's not played on the radio because we're like, of course, why? Like, what are the odds? Right. Sure. But every what, like once uh, every five years, maybe that happens and you go, whoa, sure. I was just thinking of that song. That probably is that why it played? You know, let me give you a great example of that, too. OK, so <clears throat> you think suddenly the whole world, everybody is like the occurrence of twins has somehow like multiplied exponentially. But the reason for that is, is because maybe you just had twins. Right. You never really paid attention to the twins exactly. before, but now that you're paying attention to it or like a type of car, like you, your buddy buys this type of car and then you see it everywhere and you think, Oh, that's my buddy's car. No, there's like 27 of these cars right. in this town, yeah. but you never knew that before. Cause you didn't pay attention you to it. How many before. orange Subarus are in this town? Yeah, I can tell you million. exactly. Yeah. I, no, I've seen million. all of them. Yes. And none of them are you, by oh, the way. No, I'm here. I am <laughs> right. here. Right. My hole. <laughs> yes. And, uh, no so stick, no stickers, right. none, none of the fun ones or all every other, uh, orange Subaru in town seems to be from either. Oregon or Colorado. Yes. And <laughs> or promoting those states heavily. And, you know, God love them. Uh, those other folks that drive Subarus love to put a whole lot of stickers and opinion on them. Usually, <laughs> um, it, you know, that's that's cool. Uh, <laughs> only only Subaru drivers. Right. I've never seen, you know, if only they could attach large flags to them and drive right. around for my cold, you know, maybe dead maybe hands. a whole vinyl siding of. Anyway, <laughs> good point. Fair point. Fair point. We both do it. Um, but no, I, I think that this stuff is neat. And I think that I'm going to I'm going to wow you even more um, by admitting something. What you just described as humans ability to recognize patterns. I think that there was also sort of a practical recognition somewhere where <clears throat> people who were might have noticed these patterns and occurrences might have said to themselves, you know, everybody paid a lot more attention to this when it had supernatural connotations than when it has actual mathematical sure. ones. So that's where we get like, you know, uh, certain holidays and things like that is because nobody shows up if it's just math. Yeah. Like, hey, guys, we have to like harvest all the food and store it. Everyone needs to pitch in. Everyone's like, eh, that sounds boring and like a lot of work. But if you're like. Hey, who wants to have a party? Yeah, if we don't we do this, we harvest all the food and store it. Yeah, if we and if we don't do it, we will be you know <laughs> struck down by right, bolts yeah, of lightning. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'll be we'll there. Anger the spirits, and we won't yeah. get well, if you a would, harvest next. If year. you had led with the lightning, I would have been there. <laughs> right. But yeah, no, that's um, it, it makes it sexier. And uh, well, that was the whole thing. That's the whole Christmas thing where. Um, let's just for a second, you know, just assume that, that, uh, Christ as a person actually lived on the earth. Yeah. Um, everybody who is a, is a, you know, learned theologian knows that he are, suspects that he was born. Archaeological uh, signs point to sometime in March, but the Christians knew that there was already a holiday going on on December 25th. And they're like, how do we get everybody to come to our party? Right. We just make it on the date of their party. Then they're already there. Yeah. But we tell them that it's for our party, yeah. you know? So, yeah, it, 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 superstition carries a lot. We just, like, change the date by a little bit. And then 
it doesn't look like we're copying. Yeah, like it's the Taco Bell theory. Like it's all the same ingredients. We just call it something different now. Uh, It's still meat and cheese and tomatoes and lettuce. Yeah. But um, it's all pagan underneath. (laughs) Um, But the yeah. So but but here's the thing, though, like it's just a sexy factor. I mean, that's all it is like. People people don't realize how... I feel like the modern-day church has taken that in the wrong direction. Uh, yeah, they took it in a far more literal direction as far as sexy. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a lot cooler when it was just, like, gods and monsters as opposed to, like, altar boys. Right. But, um, but, yeah, so... <laughs> but I think the the neat thing, though, is that if nothing else, there's at least a collective... Isn't isn't this what's what's interesting? And we could even I, I, there's not enough time to to delve into all of this. But what makes something universally attractive? What makes something universally popular? Now you nice could say set that of it's cans, it, right? <laughs> yes, actually, um, not yeah. men and women, but yeah, right, yes. Um, yeah, for guys, it would be like a nice uh, what, a square jaw, right, which still know. isn't as sexy. Yeah, but. Um, but no, uh, the the thing is, is that there is something sexy about magic and the mystical, and um, and that's that's what this movie the unknown, created. The unknown is mysterious, and mysterious is sexy. And what's really cool about this movie Enticing. in particular, now that we're talking about it, is that. Modern film so soon, <laughs> yeah. Modern film, right? I'm not ready to jump Sorry, into hold it yet. On. I have to describe eight Nathan for you episodes real quick before we get into right. This. Yes, <laughs> apologies <laughs> for that. I, only eight. Okay, I, yeah. I listened to the rare. I, it's rarely I sit down and listen to an episode, and I listen to last week's, and I'm like, fast forward, <laughs> Jesus. So sorry about that. Well, let me just say, uh, first, I do want to watch that show, um, and I, I like talked about it the whole the like next two days after you told me that stuff but um this is you want to talk about an interesting cultural phenomenon is the idea that something can happen in a movie and it's so popular and it's so um pervasive in the culture that it kind of seems like it's been around forever we talked about that with like friday the 13th like people yes i know that there are like these weird more ancient historical contexts of Friday the 13th. But nobody ever really gave a shit about that date until the movies came out. Right. Um, It's the same thing with this, like the whole six, six, six number of the beast thing. Like that's been around for, well, since biblical times, since it was written, this was the movie that made it. I mean, this was the movie that really put that in our, our collective thoughts. And I've, um, there are certain, I don't want to be too specific. There are groups of people that are more suspicious, uh, uh, not suspicious, but susceptible. Well, depending on who you are, <laughs> suspicious or uh, superstitious. Okay. <laughs> depending on who's looking at who. But um, I heard from somebody that their particular group of people, if they like, for example, went to Walgreens and they bought, you know, something, I don't know, some. Uh, just for men beard dye or something. Who knows what? Uh, that's what I buy there. But anyhow, if you bought something and the ticket came up as six or the change or the, the total was $6.66, uh-huh. that they would literally go out of their way to put like a piece of gum up there right. just to change that because they would not want that to be their total. Right. 
Um, and yeah, that, and the thing is, is like, would they have done that before 1976? Right. Maybe, but I'm sure a whole lot more of them Shut did the it after. Really committed ones. But right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But that's, what's cool. That's the power of movies. I yeah. mean, it, well, and I read even they made up that like Satan is the father of the antichrist. Like that's, that was created for this movie, but you ask nearly anyone who's the antichrist dad. They'll be like Satan. Sure. Duh. Yeah. That's because um, of this movie. Let me think about that one. I know. I, I believe that you're right. I'm just trying to think back because I do have, if anybody wants to challenge anything on this show, not that I'm pulling rank, but I, I, let's put it this way. High school was my first public school. So I've <laughs> read the Bible plenty of times and studied it in depth. Um, and we'll talk about some of the because it's interesting. But um, I, OK, you, you, you might be right about that. Yeah. I'm trying to. Yeah. Trying to think if there was specific mention of it's just more about the Antichrist coming right. as opposed to who his dad was. Yes. OK. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Just that there would be. Right. An Antichrist. Yeah. I'm Antichrist. <laughs> well, yeah, there are Antichrists and the Antichrist. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't get the title. It could be both. I mean, if you're one, if you're the one one, then you're both, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's it's fascinating stuff. And and hey, here's the thing. Uh, we I've said this before and a couple of, of mutual friends and I even talking about horror movies before this podcast ever started always said that some of the scariest movies, at least for people that were raised religious, were the ones that had to do with religion. Yeah. Um, so this one has nothing to do with anything but religion. Yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of terrifying, like this supernatural thing could have happened. Yeah. There were some kids who were not afraid of this movie at all. You know what? That's almost a Me superpower. Included. That's almost just... Now, now let me because ask you... Because, you know, I'm not... I I know that that's been talked about, you know, like there people think that this is a thing, but to me in my life never afraid of the devil. Okay, so can you all right, and I get that and I don't doubt that, but can you sit maybe not I mean this movie's older and it's not like overly bloody yeah. or anything. But so you can sit in a dark room, nobody home. Yeah. Watching this movie and you have absolutely no this movie. Yeah, yes. You're not creeped out. No, at all. No. Does that go for anything that has to do with the <clears throat> devil? Oh, sure. Yeah. Anything at all that has to do with the devil, you're like immediately like I'm. Not that you don't like it, but that right. you're immediately there's no not, fear. Yeah. No. Yeah. No stakes. No stakes. Well. Wow. Now, yes. Could there be a movie about the devil that scares me? Sure. You. You know. There's a lot of things in a movie that can add something other than. The, you know, the concept of it, you know, yeah. sound, whatever direction that can be, you can creep someone out just with that. So I'm not going to just flatly say if it's a movie with the devil, I am inherently not afraid of that movie at all. Right. There's nothing in it that could scare me. But no, am I afraid that, I mean, I don't, <laughs> look, I don't want to like go on a rant of how silly I even think the concept of the devil is to to where it's uh, that's just me i don't want to people have oh, their beliefs and you know what as much as i don't agree with them i respect your right to have them and i don't want to be 
There was a time in my life where I would love to jump in and be a super douche and tell you how stupid you are for thinking this. Hmm. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not that person anymore. You know, I don't know, maybe sometime in this episode I'll at least express my opinions on it. <laughs> a I'll, few uh, times, I'm sure. Well, let me just drop this bomb. And I want to say that I've said this before, but it, if ever there were an episode that I would repeat it on, it's this one. You may not be, now you're a unique guy, but in this regard, you might not be quite as unique as you think. And I'm going to blow your fucking mind. <laughs> um, so I, I stop me if I've talked about this before, but when I was in a Lutheran school and I got to be in about, uh, I'd say I was in seventh grade, seventh, maybe eighth grade. And I felt, I, I literally remember exactly where I was. I was at a drinking fountain, and um, and I got up in the middle of a class, and I walked out to go get a drink, and I felt what would be referred to as like a calling to be to be a, a pastor. Uh-huh. And at the at the and I'm just just to you know clear the record here. I'm I'm no longer Christian. I don't consider myself that at all. Yeah, uh, I have a belief system, but it's just kind of like yeah, hodgepodgey for fun. <laughs> sure, you know, yeah. Well, what you would like yeah. it to uh, be right. Yeah. So, um, but at that time, it was it was very real, and and I felt like I had the calling to be a pastor, and I I spoke with my. Uh, congregation pastors, um, one of whom was uh, fluent in Hebrew and, and a learned theologian and had traveled to the Holy Land many times. The other one was was equally as educated. Um, and I told them about this and they took it very seriously. And I've talked about this before, would take me out of class to do weddings and funerals and that sort of thing. And would also talk to me for about, I'd go into school about an hour early just to talk about religion, talk about questions that I had. Yeah. And they were really, I mean, whether regardless of what you think of religion, that was just very cool of these guys to do. Like, yeah. it wasn't part of their job description, you know, to talk to some, like, 13-year-old kid or 12-year-old kid about religion. But they did. And <clears throat> one day I went in there, and I asked them what, if angels were immortal. And they had kind of a puzzled look on their face, uh, or more like an interested look on their face. And they said, well, why do you ask that? And I said, well... If the devil was an angel, and if angels aren't immortal, then wouldn't the devil, if he was real, be dead by now? Right. And they were quiet for a long time. And then one of them spoke up. And I, I'll tell you what, you can say whatever you want to say, but these men's livelihood was at stake. <laughs> of course. And one of them said, and they both agreed to this, they said, get out. <laughs> we yeah, right. get out of the house now oh no they said we don't believe that there is a devil but if we go out there on sunday and say that the place is going to erupt in chaos right. so we do this and we use the devil as a metaphor for the evil that that could, you know, encounter people's lives and we try to help them escape that to live the best life that they can. And these are grown, learned, studied men talking to a preteen <laughs> yeah. and admitting pastors of one of the largest congregations of the city that they do not believe in Satan yeah. as an entity. 
And holy wonder, fucking wonder my- how many other things they secretly didn't find true, but, well, used, but well, used as a means in order to control people. Well, Interesting. Well, yeah, there's there's all kinds <laughs> of things that are used for public control. You never know. Um, <laughs> um, you're right. No, I, I, we won't do that. Yeah, this is not a show about yeah. vaccines, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the telepathy working. Uh, but but no, like. Isn't that amazing? So here you are. And here, now this is what's really funny. A Christian might listen to you say that and think that you are just the most godless person on the planet. And yeah. maybe they're right. And you probably wouldn't disagree with them. But they might, they might judge your character. And here were two leaders of a congregation in a good-sized Midwest town that told me, admitted to me, that they themselves did not believe in the devil. Yeah. So... That's just fucking crazy. And it probably points to a lot. It probably supports a lot of your opinions on organized religion. <laughs> it does. It does. It does. It and, does. and I'm sure we'll get into a lot of that. <laughs> How far are we on this intro now? 20 minutes? Well, I mean, we've kind of been talking about the movie. Now, sure. So yeah. We're, like, we're yeah, easing we're, in. Yeah, it's like the unconventional intro. Let's like get the yeah. housekeeping out of the way. We can go back we to go. talking yes. about how silly the idea of a devil is. <laughs> so this is the Omen from 1987. Uh, God, I can't read this. Did I you say 1987? Like, I did, which it is not. It's from 1976. <laughs> Uh, but I have 1987 written here for some dumb reason. Uh, okay, so this was written by David Seltzer. It was directed hilariously by the director last week. Tim said, what has Richard Donner directed? And we knew we were doing The Omen. I, But I'm with you. I like was like, I thought this was Polanski. But that's just Rosemary's Baby. I thought maybe he did. I just know him these. as the Donner. But yeah. Read the Don. Um, directed by Richard Donner. It stars Gregory Peck, Leanne Remick, and David Warner. It had a budget of two point eight million. Box office sixty one million nineteen seventy six dollars. Smash hit. God damn, this is a big movie. Oh, excuse me. Pardon the belch. I, I should say we don't have a an official sponsor, but uh, Nan. Right before I do, <laughs> Nan Sum did find this beer called No Yeah. Apparently, that, how do you like it? It's good. I actually, I just had my first taste of it. It goes great with nicotine. <laughs> Uh, no, it's actually pretty good. So, yeah, excuse the small belch there. I've had already one can of No Yeah. Um, yeah, No Yeah. So let's do Nan some, then we can get into some spoilers about how the devil's fake. Robert Thorne is an American diplomat living in Rome with his wife. She gives birth to a baby boy who dies soon after. Robert is then persuaded by a priest at the hospital to secretly adopt a child whose mother has just died in childbirth, keeping the secret from his wife and treating the new child as his own. Five years later, Robert's been promoted to the ambassador to the United Kingdom, but after the family moves to their new home, strange and terrifying things begin to happen. A terrifying dog appears, their nanny hangs herself, and animals at a zoo run from Damien, their son. Robert is approached by a priest claiming to have been at the hospital the night Robert's baby died and warns Robert that his current son is not at all what he seems. He's actually the son of Satan himself and has been sent here to oversee the downfall of man. Robert ignores his warnings until he is approached by a photographer who shows him mysterious markings on photos he's taken that eerily resemble the ways in which the people that he's met have eventually died. Not to mention a series of events all involving the number 666, the mark of the beast. Now Robert must choose to either kill his only son or to stay a father and ignore the catastrophic warnings of the omen. Mm. 
How about that for a pickup line in a bar? Like, forget, like, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer. I'm here to oversee the downfall of man. <laughs> like, panties drop. Um, yeah. Uh, Check out this downfall. <laughs> um, so. Uh, so let's, let me just say real yes. quickly. Uh, here is the one question that I kind of thought of that I would like to direct to the religious crowd, especially mm. the Christian crowd. What up with all the loopholes? <laughs> or, right. a, you know, and I'm not the only person to have this thought, but to, to worship a being you claim being perfect, all powerful, all knowledgeable. A, why doesn't he see this coming? B, why doesn't he stop it? And see if he does see it happening and doesn't stop it. What the fuck up with that? There is one almighty, like, just catch-all for everything you just said. It's also the title of a Drake song, God's Plan. <laughs> right. um, it's, uh, it, it is, it's either, it's one of the two. You either just say that you have to have faith, right. or you say it's all just part of God's plan. And how do you argue with that? You don't. You can't. Right. It's somebody having a legitimate concern and saying you having a legitimate concern is kind of a sin in of itself. Right. Because why would you question? Who are you to question God? Right. Well, okay, I'll just shut up and go back to whatever I was doing. Um, so, yeah, no, that's that. Those are those are great points. Um, and I know that you're not a big fan of loopholes in horror movies and yeah, this has got a lot of them, a lot. Um, but well, you're but right. The loopholes are already baked into the premise. Like I think actually the movie itself, as we like uncover this mystery about what is going on, I think actually plays to a decent set of rules and is not too open to interpretation that how it all like you have to just uh, – I accept it as a movie viewer of these are the rules in this world and we'll start from there and go. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, and, and there's a – I mean, where do you want to start? Sex with a jackal? <laughs> because here's the funny thing about that. Well, let me get this out of the way. For all of you fox lovers the out there. The last thing I want to be is laughed at in bed. Right. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. The jack. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, they're not hyenas. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, jackals yeah. cackle though. Right? They, yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. Hyenas laugh. Jackals cackle. And so, <laughs> oh, um, God. here's the I thing. I can't wait to get sick next week. Oh yeah. I, by the way. Yeah. I, if you haven't, if you haven't guessed, <laughs> I'm just, I got a good old fashioned cold, like just, uh, <clears throat> like a lot of coughing, a lot of, um, sweating. Um, I didn't think I was a praying man. But. Yes. Yeah, you are now. You actually literally your hands are literally, in the, yeah. the praying formation. Um, <laughs> Fox people, get your head in the game. Because the only thing better than a cute little fox is a bigger one. And by the way, it's called a jackal. It looks almost exactly like a, a big fox. And they are beautiful. If you've ever seen a jackal. Yeah. And. They are really, really cute. Now, don't get one mad because then they look terrifying because they can. They're one of those like there's even like a an animal. I can't remember the name of it. I think it starts with the sea. I want to say they were in Australia, but they could open their mouths like really huge. They oh, sort of look like jackals. Copy. Oh, no, that's not that then. But yeah, Capybara looks like a hamster. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> but um, 
They look like nothing. They're a very unique <laughs> animal. But the thing is, is like, I'm actually going somewhere with this other than jackals are really, really cute. Um, and, and they're not just cute. They're beautiful. Like they're, they have these almond shaped eyes. They're really oh, Maybe pretty. I need to look up jackals. They're beautiful. Yeah, right. um, so the thing is, you do have to ask yourself a few questions. And it's not like you have to have the answers to these to enjoy this movie. But you're right. There are these loopholes like, okay, so. As we all know, Damien was born of a jackal, as they say. Probably taken a little bit too literally. Jackals in the Bible are seen as more like tricksters and they play on the weak and they manipulate people or whatever. So whenever they say wherever they said that in the Bible um, was probably referencing more like a a type of person that they were describing as opposed to an actual jackal. But it's way cooler if it's an actual jackal. Yeah. Now we have a Rottweiler in this movie and you kind of maybe ask yourself, like, did the devil say, and this also brings up another topic of yours, which is how weak is the fucking devil? Oh my God. If he can't, like, if he just can't come down there and fuck a jackal, then what good is he? Yeah. But maybe he has to go into a dog to inseminate, but wouldn't that just make a puppy Baby, who the fuck knows, Tim? Right. Also, if God created everything, he had to have created that rule. Right. Like, I want my my creation to be safe. However, if the one angel I uh, expelled from heaven then becomes as equally as powerful as me, however the fucking devil powers work. Sure. Uh, if he has sex with one specific type of animal... He then can bore a human son and who will then take over the world. And I have to be like, damn it. He figured it out. There's nothing I can do. Right, right, right. I do say this knowing that in the Bible, Revelations is like important. It's important. It happens because it doesn't it only lasts for like seven years. And then we have eternal reign of Christ. Like Christ comes back to thwart the Antichrist. So it's like it's like a necessary thing that has to happen. So again, in this movie, I don't understand why they're trying to stop it because true Christians would be like, "This guy's this part's going to suck, but it's only going to last seven years, and then everything's going to be fucking awesome forever." Well, not only that, but Revelations was just a dream a guy had. So it was it was it was literally like. I think he's like, wait, everybody, like I didn't, I didn't yeah. mean it. Like I'm just telling you about it's this just an weird ice cream tree. truck, right? Yeah, um, I don't know what that is. Right. <laughs> I don't know what ice cream is, right? Or a truck, right? Let alone Freddy Krueger or a skateboard. I think right, but um, but yeah. So the thing is, yes, I mean it's filled with loopholes. The good news is, is that back in 1976. You had a lot more people just buying it hook, line, and sinker. Oh, yeah. And and you're right. You can have so much fun with this movie as far as, like, I thought when I sat down to watch this that I was going to really take it a well-made movie, which I'm not saying that it isn't, but there's a lot more to make fun of in this movie than I thought there was, <laughs> yeah. both in the religious context, um, and, I'm, and I don't, I really don't want to offend anybody because I'm not of the belief that you know, seems to get ever more popular that like every single Christian is like a a dumb and awful person. Like there are some good Christian people out there. Absolutely. But, um, 
but I will That's say not a joke. No, I, I know, right? I think that but um, it's like but three at least, right? But uh, <laughs> but there's also a lot to make fun of just in the movie itself. But it's all done with love because we'll get this out of the way. And I know we say this for a lot of the movies that we that we kind of rib, but. Um, I do love this movie. Yeah. Oh, that I Let like. Me make this clear. Yeah. I loved this movie. Yes. It's the yeah. fucking omen. Yeah. I. I. Again, I approached it as that. This. These are the rules of this world, and it, everything else runs hunky dory. Loved it. Yeah. And and it's probably. I guess what I'm trying to say is that at the time that it was made, while there have been agnostics and and atheists, you know, from you know time immemorial, but. Um, at the time that this came out, like you would have generally accepted the fact that the majority of your population was probably buying it. You know, they were probably yeah. like, yes. Well, I think that's why, because they, there was a version of the script. I mean, cause yeah, even the, the whole idea of like the antichrist, like coming back to like rule earth, like no, no one is really afraid of that until this movie. Sure. And someone like one of the producers, like was talking to a friend and he was talking about it. He like cool movie and like that like this was they hire a screenwriter like write me a story about the antichrist who comes back like like that's how this movie's made i forget what my original point was on that what you were talking about right well no but i think i think what you're saying is is that like that people like had oh i was gonna say so they, but what they wanted to do, like the, the two ways they were going to go was either going to be, well, we can have this story, same story and everything, but have it a little more ambiguous. Like is yes. Damon, Damien really the antichrist or are all these things that are happening either like self-fulfilling prophecies because they think it's going to happen. So you kind of nudge it in that direction. Sure. So it happens. Or is it like, nope, this kid's the fucking antichrist. And they went with the, nope, he's the antichrist. And I like, if it were made today, which I know. I totally forgot about the remake. Yeah, they did. And I watched the trailer. Like, I, I feel like they use the exact same. Like, it felt like a Gus Van Sant <laughs> a psycho thing. Like, right. Just yeah. A lot of the same shots. Yeah. All the same lines. I was just like a little effort, guys. Um, but had were this a new movie and they made it today. I think it, way more they would have played it into the ambiguous thing. But Which yeah, is- in mid 70s, people are like, the fuck? Listen, guys. Right. We are. This close to Dude, devil domination. If you want to see, and we'll cover it someday. I keep forgetting about this movie. I love it so much. I saw it one time. If you want to see a movie that takes that ambiguous route, not necessarily with the Antichrist, but uh, the fragile with uh, Bill Paxton. Um, oh, that movie. Frailty. The frailty. I'm sorry. Uh, <sighs> that that, that movie, movie does an awesome job of have you wondering like are these people just fucked up yep. are they are they you know schizophrenic or is this real a super awesome handling of that but i agree with you i love the fact that they made the choice where they're like fuck no let's make this kid evil yeah and there's no doubt about it maybe the kid doesn't really realize the capacity because he's a child yeah but um and i will say it doesn't really affect the story one way or the other until the end where the dad has to make a decision is he going to kill his kid right like if, if you're just like yeah he's in it, yeah he has to do that that's fine and that's what actually makes uh damien omen 2 so cool is that 
even still, uh, Damien, as like, a, let's say, a middle schooler or early high schooler, still isn't fully aware of it at that point. And but he that movie is really about him owning it, which is right. fucking awesome. Yeah. But um, but no, you're right. So, yeah, just to give that little bit of backstory here, um, you know, you're right. Richard Donner, you know, <laughs> Goonies, Superman one, <laughs> Superman two, lethal weapon. Um, then you've got David Seltzer who did, uh, also, you know, bridge episode Lucas. Um, and, uh, Oh, what else? Episode. We talked about Lucas in an episode. We have not right. covered Lucas. Right. Yet. No, right. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good for you. Right. <laughs> also a movie that I shamefully saw in the uh, theater bird on a wire. Um, oh. and also you like that. Yeah, not really. Um, and punchline, which I actually do really love. Um, yeah, but, uh, so then you've got this, this producer, uh, Harvey, uh, what are we saying? Bernard? Yeah. So he also did the Goonies and the Lost Boys and, and all that stuff. So a lot of this stuff is, uh, these are two good movies to do back, you know, nicely back to back. So yeah, there's this advertising mogul and friend of the producer that said like, Hey, I've got this idea for this story, you know, about the Antichrist. And he was a devout Christian his whole life. And he's like, I always kind of, nobody's ever really talked about this part of religion, but I always thought it was pretty fascinating. And then his buddy's like, fuck yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. And like you said, he hired uh seltzer to write it. And, um, you know, they so they've got a, a nice script put together. And I'm trying to remember how that how that worked. It was uh it kind of, it went to one company and then it, it oh, kind yeah. of stalled out there. Bro- like Warner Brothers was gonna do it and then they ended up not and Fox picked it up or something like that. Yeah, somebody else came, somebody at I Fox know, I don't know how that worked championed it yeah. and was like, Okay, let's do this. So it became such a success, like you said all those millions of dollars. Actually, it is said that this is the movie that made star Wars. This movie made so much money that it was the only thing that allowed Fox to give George Lucas enough money to finish star Wars the way that he wanted to do. Um, so thank God for the, (laughs) Oh God, you devil. (laughs) Um, and, uh, so, a lot of people now, we're going to talk about something now. We're going to talk about the star of this movie, Gregory Peck. <laughs> mm. uh, a lot of other people <laughs> were in line for this role. Uh, Listen, up to this point, Gregory Peck, pretty well-respected actor. Sure. And great at playing stoic. Right. Okay. So, and I get it. I'm not just going to sit here and shit on Gregory. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, but right. in this movie, we're going to. Right. And maybe for, for the majority of his career. And I know that there are people out there right now, like screaming, like Atticus Finch, <laughs> right. Atticus Finch. I get it. When you had a role that had to call for like a soft spoken man with a strong moral fiber, albeit very ambiguous Alabama <laughs> uh, accent, but Fine. Uh, he was an but, educated man. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You could you could make that argument. So um, and that was fine. And and I liked him in that just like everybody else did. But the thing about these actors from the forties, like Charlton Heston and Gregory Peck and Spencer Tracy and all these guys, like I know that every movie is two dimensional when we're talking about physics. But I think that the performances or the style of acting or the approach to acting was was 
metaphorically two-dimensional as well. It was like, did they project a strength? Did they project uh, somebody that you would look up to, somebody that that you would want to watch on screen because it's like, I think that's a good person, yeah. you know? And then in come the guys that I worshipped, like Brando and Dean and Paul Newman and Jack Nicholson, and just mop the floor with these guys because they actually showed call me crazy human emotion <laughs> there is a scene in this movie and i'm gonna really a I, scene uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> but this one in particular I, I i i'm gonna try not to throw up as i say this there's a scene in this movie where gregory peck has to be horny and oh, it is the cringiest thing i've ever seen because the man isn't great with expressing human emotions. So when it comes to horniness, his face just starts like <laughs> kind of like spazzing out. Yeah. And it's like a like a robot that's like given too much information <laughs> and they just start smoking. Like he just doesn't know what to do. And it's the most what do I do with my hands? Unnatural. Yeah, right. Like, no, I mean literally, like what? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like it's the most uncomfortable thing in the world until you see him with a child. And then you're like, I, I sat in my chair and I was trying to think of like a metaphor for like, he looks as like unnatural with a child as I, the only thing I could think of was fat bastard. Like, I don't know why, like that would be weird, but um, it's just utterly strange to see him. Yeah. Because he's a father he in is. real life, right? Yeah. It's like, sure, he's a great one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so. Well, no, let's call a spade your math a spade. Test, it was good grade. Maybe they could have started. I know I'm, I'm, I live on the edge, but maybe they could have started with a man who wasn't 60 years old. How about that? He was born in 1916, by yeah. the way. 60 years old. And looks 60 years old. Yeah. And his wife. Well, I mean. He's attractive. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm splitting hairs here. Please continue. Gregory Peck is a good looking man. He has yeah. a wonderful resonant voice. He's tall. He's he he's he's got that. He has gravitas. If we're going to talk Latin here. He's got gravitas, but he has no pathos. So he has no. He has something in him that makes you. Take him seriously. But there's nothing in him that makes you feel anything. Yeah. And that's that's the problem. And I would love to cast and and I even tried to help him. I'm like, he's an ambassador. Like maybe these guys aren't like the most wild and crazy dudes on the planet, right? They're probably pretty buttoned down. But even somebody like, well, they were gonna cast Roy Scheider from Jaws. Okay. Yeah. And I think he could play that reservedness as well as anybody. But there's that scene. And I know that this sounds like a little, you know, hoity toity. But literally one of my favorite scenes in in any Jaws movie is Roy Scheider with his youngest son. Oh, yeah. When he's going through this this awful time and his son doesn't really understand it. And he kind of pulls Scheider out of this depression and sadness and confusion and you feel as a parent that moment yeah and it's it's incredibly endearing and roy scheider could have made this movie so much more yeah um where yeah 
crazy what <laughs> crazy what you could have I had. Mean, not even. I mean, yeah, there was crazy what li- you could have had. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> best REM song ever, by the way, and by Michael Stipe's admission too. Um, country feedback. Oh, okay. Um, don't even know that song. Oh my God, it's their best song ever. Um, anyways, doesn't sound like night swimming to me. Well, that's a pretty good one too. <laughs> Top five at least. That is pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I saw the list of guys who could have done this, and Jesus Christ, any of those guys would have added a little more interest. You mentioned uh, Oliver, Oliver Reed. Reed, yeah. I mainly, weirdly enough, know him mostly from Tommy. That's really all I'm thinking about. <laughs> but he's he's got a lot of presence, though. Yeah. Yeah, he's but a, I'm thinking about him from that era. Yeah. It, how he was in Tommy. I mean, he plays like the lecherous yeah. uncle in that. But right. he's... Or not the uncle, the, the, the lover. The lover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his pseudo-dad. Stepdad, I guess. Um, the uncle is played by Keith Moon. It's just... Mwah. Yeah. Again, if you haven't seen Tommy, it'll blow your mind. I don't even like the Who, and I like Tommy. Yeah, um, so just Elton John doing Pinball Wizard and those giant platform shoes. Oh, Tina so Turner is the Acid Queen. Oh, yeah, Jack Nicholson awesome. yeah, Jack is innocent for Christ's sake. Loud. Yes, um, <laughs> but yeah, Oliver Reed in that movie. I mean, not the same character, but his like manicness in Tommy, I think, could you could pull a lot of that emotion to a guy who's is fucking breaking. Cause it's just like everything in my life's falling apart. And I'm sorry. It's the devil's fault. Like right. Jesus Christ is it like, I got the worst life ever right now. Yeah. I'm an ambassador for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, I should I have earned at least some respect. I should have people for this, but yes, <laughs> they also talked about Dick Van Dyke, which I think he's had a serious turn before. I don't know what movie that would have been, but yeah. I kind of like Dick Van Dyke. Night at the Museum. Um, <laughs> was he in that? <laughs> he was. He was a security guard. I kind of like Dick Van Dyke. Like I, I, I think that could have been interesting. I think anybody probably could have been better than Gregory Peck, but I will Gregory say this. Gregory Peck's great for the guy in the first 10 minutes of this movie. Yes. Or I will say this. Now, I remember one time... I, I saw a director's commentary of Phantasm, and there is a, a scene in that movie where um, the older brother, uh, oh God, what's his name? Uh, I can't think of it now, but um, played by uh, Bill Thornton, who I'm Facebook friends with. So anyhow, um, he's Something wa- Bill Thornton. Doesn't he's, know. Yeah, he's, he's walking through. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so he's walking through the mausoleum. And Don Coscarelli, the director, was talking about what a great bit of acting. I'm sorry, it's Bill Thornbury. Uh, that he, what what a great bit of acting he was doing, just walking through this uh, this area, this building. And I'm like, how much acting is really going on there? But sometimes that's some of the most interesting stuff when you don't have lines, when you don't have, have anybody to work off of, but you have to build the tension of a scene just silently. And in some of the silent moments of this movie, especially towards the end when he's actually like just walking into the house, when he has to find Damien and do all that. And we'll get to that. But Gregory Peck is nice to look at and he does like exude something. It's just not a lot of layered emotion. Yeah. 
which would have been nice to see. There's in this a movie. part, like literally midway through the movie, because you had mentioned to me about his emotionless yes. bits, and I'm like, oh, this must be what he's talking about. But no, there are <laughs> far more as the movie continues. But it's after uh, his wife has like fallen over the banister on the on the upper level, and she's in the hospital, and he's visited her, and he comes home, and for the first time is in his house, and you know walks up the stairs and kind of gets to the part where she fell. And his movements seem like something you would do in like a rudimentary animation programming class where it's just like move from, uh, you know, this point to this point, he like moves, then the animation of put your hand on the banister. And then he like just raises his hand up to his eyes. His body doesn't change or anything. And then they just move back down and then he turns and walks away. It's like, but I mean, like, I get what is going on in that scene. Right. Uh, just because I'm perceptive, <laughs> but like, he's not conveying like anything. If you, if you haven't seen the movie, but you're familiar with Star Trek Next Generation, just picture Data as the star of this movie like and all of the humanity that he might project yeah. on the screen it's almost to that level i say that half jokingly because it it really is that robotic yeah. i mean but even at least in next generation every 3 episodes he gets some sort of human quality oh, yeah, that right. he gets yeah. to exhibit you know <laughs> right, we don't right. get any of that yeah. like a really really dialed back data <laughs> right yeah yeah um but you know it's funny so like Watching this, a lot of the stuff that I had to write down for my viewing notes was um, was just a lot of funny stuff. Like, um, well, first of all, one of the greatest things, and, and this is something that I will champion, nothing goes with a devil movie like a choir and some shitty Latin. Yeah. And, you know. I'm sorry. Academy Award winning Latin. Too. Right. Yeah. Academy Award winning <laughs> song. Yeah. Latin. Ugh. Well, song. Score one. Yes. Song was nominated. Yeah. But did not win. But, but everybody loves. Now, I don't know why, you know, anybody talking about Satanism has to scream about it all the time, <laughs> but it's very effective when you hear that choir, when you hear them, you know, like, even if you don't know Latin, which most of us don't. And but I mean, it feels like, oh, this is scary. This is evil. You know, so it's got that whole flavor. Um, and we get some of the fun stuff with like. The the day that Damien is born, you know, the mm-hmm. month, the date, the the hour being yeah. the six six six, and there is a little. I was just like jotting fun stuff down, like what church has subway tiles? Like they've got like this black and white like tiled floor, yeah, just goofy stuff. But that's just silly. Um, a lot of travel in this movie, globe hopping yeah. in this movie, like. If, I mean, nothing is like, oh, there's the thing that we need to do. It's one town over. No, it's like a country over. Like, they're constantly going somewhere in this movie. Um, and uh, now, Migadoo. Migadoo sounds fake, too. Now, I want to go uh, to Migadoo. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. You just made destroy that the ring. Right. <laughs> um, let me ask you this, because you, you, you might know this from a technical standpoint. Maybe I'm crazy. When when I rented this, I now I have a 4K TV. But I could have sworn that the when I rented it, it said that it was 
like whatever that UHD 4K, but yeah. still SD. Huh. Is that now I'm telling you, I like it. Whatever yeah. it was, I liked it because everything it didn't look like Vaseline. Yeah. But it didn't look like it was made yesterday. Okay. Well, yeah, I kind of really loved it. Version of it, yeah. So it was yeah, like that's how we should be watching. It was like a clearer SD version, yeah. which is awesome. And the sound was now. This isn't part of of whatever the the technology was that I watched, but the sound is a little annoying in the beginning because they're in these massive buildings. Like, there's no small building that this <laughs> right. thing takes place in. So there's a lot of echo. Yeah. Um, and nobody's mic'd up. You yeah. know. So, but but I mean that's just mildly annoying. Um, yeah, because everyone's ADR'd, so it's this weird, echoey, ambient noise. Right. And then this very crystal clear talking. Right. Go, Tom. <laughs> a, little, a little weird, though. Did you feel a little strange with the time jump of, we start, like you mentioned, we start in Rome. Yeah. We get the little switcheroo. Yeah. And then he is, you know, accepts a position in London. But then when they move to London and they're like picking out a house, Damien looks like at least a year and a half. Uh oh man, because he's I like really outside. Yeah, this is the horny scene when like oh, he, right, yeah. right, 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 right. But I mean, the kid's got. I mean, he looks. He's standing. Like yeah. So maybe they moved there and lived in an apartment for a while. Who knows? Yeah. But they move into this big ass huge house. Um. Then it cuts to a, I literally started cackling. There's this poor woman who, you know, has this child. It's not her child. Not only is it not her child, but it was born of a jackal and it's the son of the devil. And it cuts to a scene of just like a family walk. <laughs> and Gregory Peck is carrying Damon and, or Damien. And the mom is dragging a plastic dog, which is like a toy, whatever Damien was writing on, but he's not writing on it in the moment. Yeah. So it just looks like, how much are we going to fuck with this woman? Like, how many fake things can we throw her way? But this is where we get our first instance of horrible parenting in this movie. Right. These people couldn't have picked a more waterlogged walking path to be on, and they lose track of their two-year-old. Yeah, they're like walking next to a slightly violent creek, I would say, if that's the way I could describe it. I think on the Without other side. Without paying attention, yeah. The other side is a calm lake. <laughs> the other side is a violent creek, and they've just been talking for 20 minutes. Right. And they're and like. They're all of a sudden like. Right, we have that kid. Oh shit! <laughs> right, so that's that's a little goofy. Like I get it if that's their fifth kid. Now, Good parents, first kid. You're not even setting them down. Next, when when water's in sight, and uh, yeah, that's my uh, Gregory Peck looks as uh, natural <laughs> with the child as fat bastard. Um, so now we get to probably the first like. Let's kick this movie into high gear scene yeah. with the birthday, birthday party. Birthday party, yeah. Maybe one of the like weirdest and coolest scenes of all horror film. Yeah. Because I, there is a reason behind it, but you don't necessarily know what that reason is when it happens. Yeah. So you're like, oh, like there's been movies about children's birthdays where like crazy shit happens and it's funny because it's like a kid's birthday. Yeah. But not like this. No. And nothing of, really weird has happened up to this point. Yeah, nothing really. And then nothing. this is like so 
I mean, obviously one of the most famous scenes in the movie. Yes. Uh, oh, and it easily. happens so early and so just like out of nowhere. And there's there are bits in this scene that just scream like 70s directing and editing. Like the people like just like everyone looking but not moving. Yeah. It's just these weird just like shots of people just like and not like not even just like, oh, my God, what the fuck's happening? You know, just like stone face. Yeah. That group of kids yeah. is so fucking weird. It's to so look awesome. At. It's awesome because. And, and that hanging fucking rules. When yes. She launches through the window. And for those of you who haven't seen the movie, yeah, the, the Damien's nanny is sort of um, she she catches the gaze of this Rottweiler that yeah. is nearby. And you get the, you know, with a little bit of sound effect and whatever, you get the impression that the Rottweiler is sort of like hypnotizing her. Yeah. And the next thing you know, like, you know, everybody's on the carousel and having fun and you hear somebody faintly screaming Damien. Yeah. Look at and you, it's Damien. his nanny up there. Adorables all get out. Yeah. With a giant thick ass rope around her neck, dude, ready to do herself in, and it is such a. I think what makes it so powerful is that it's not. She's not trying to be creepy. No, she's just being it's really sweet. Love. Yeah, yeah. There's so much love in her yeah. face. It's all for <laughs> it's you, Damien. So good. Oh, it's great. So she hangs herself now, and you're right. We cut to that scene of like all everybody just stupefied. And I'm thinking to myself, there isn't one person at this party who isn't going to tell this story <laughs> for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Anytime people have birthdays every year, everyone does. Yeah. And every time birthday comes up, they're going to be like, let me tell you the story of what right. happened at a birthday party that I went yeah. to. Um, hey, why isn't Debbie at your party? We do not invite Debbie to birthday parties anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can't hear that fucking story one right. more time. <laughs> right. Even though it's a great one. It's yeah. a great story. Let's, yeah. I'll yeah. tell it to you now because right. it'll blow your fucking mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I can't hear it. But um, we see that and it's just like, I don't know. Like, it's 1976. I just watched it a handful of days ago, but it. It feels pretty fucking punk rock. Like, I mean, it is, it's a hardcore scene still to this day. Yeah. Cause it's so out of the blue. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's really like, I mean, I've seen things a lot more gross or, or creepy or whatever, but it's, it's very, it's a very ballsy first scene. Yeah. Cause I mean, I even knew, like, I knew what was about to happen, but it's, it had been several decades since I'd seen this movie. And yeah. just, yeah, the jump, the snap, and it, like, sends her back into the window where a maid is cleaning and she freaks the fuck right. out. So good. Yeah, because you're not just going to cleanly, like, go straight down and hang. Right. Yeah, you're going to you're gonna get a little, uh, yeah, a little diehard action. Oh, dude, I was just going to say that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Bruce Willis would have been great in this. Um, any of them. Old Bruce, well, yeah, right. Also, yeah, right. Yeah. Yes, right. He's, yeah. He's, now it'd be like sick. Gregory Peck. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, but um, <clears throat> then we get the introduction of the new nanny. And what I never realized. Now, here's the thing. Just as a testament to rewatching movies, there's a lot of things that I picked up. In this movie, and I've, I, I mean, people have seen The Omen for for years and years. It's it's no stranger to being on TV, but like I just picked up in this 
watching that the reason why the nanny killed herself was that dog, you know, whatever devil hound, whatever, whether it was Satanist himself or whatever, hypnotizing hers to make room for the new nanny. Right. So that she could usher herself in. Tried and true Satanist. Yeah. Defender of Damien, making sure that, you know, he reaches all of his glory. And um, another. See, now, now we're starting to get into bits where I'm like, what are the devil's powers? Right. Because, you know, uh, why not just mind control the current nanny? Why do you know, like, I have to send the dog now. Is Satan sending the dog? Why can Satan control the dog, but right. he can't control the current nanny? You know, Great why do we questions. need these? We're cool. Cool in a story. Really cool in a story. Sure. But if you're going to be like, but also this is kind of based on fact. Right. Then I got, you know, answer, riddle me this, Batman. It's a, it's a great point. Um, but you know what's so funny is that. It seems to be such a large cult that knows every, you know, that that is, a. it's hard to do a cult movie without the cult seemingly knowing everything that's going to happen and they plan everything perfectly. You know, like there are no variables that get in their way ever of their master plan. Right. Um, like, cause even in this movie, like the whole thing is like, you know, Gregory Peck finds out his baby was literally murdered. So yes. it's not like it was an opportunistic thing where they no. were like, Oh, his baby died. Give him Satan's baby. Like that was the plan from the beginning because then Damien would grow up and inherit his wealth and power that he already had and would use that then to command the armies of the world against themselves or or whatever. And there is some like you might ask yourself like, well, weren't there any other like people in because there's also it's also said later that. That the the child would be born of a jackal and it would be it would use politics as right. its platform yes. That's to the eternal sea. Right. Again, another just loose interpretation where right. people go, that has to fit. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the question is, it's like, well, so no other person in politics got their wife pregnant that we could use them. Exactly. But they don't they tie it into a comet, though. Well, Isn't it yes. tied into? Yeah, there like, are these events that happen, like per Revelations. Okay, which I don't know if that bit is in Revelations, but yeah, it's like a comet that bursts across the sky, the rise of the Roman Empire, which they're like, I think that means like banks, right? Right? Yeah, <laughs> like, no. that's the rise of the Roman Empire, right? We could say that's uh, that's what he meant, right? And Seltzer did make up that whole the whole thing that that Peck refers to as a poem is yes. not a Bible verse. That's, okay, okay, that's totally Seltzer. So, um, but I mean it. it Sounds good. Yeah, it works really well. But so then we get this new nanny ushered in, and she is, you know, like we said, a defender of Damien. She is hateable from oh, the God, very yeah. beginning. But, you know, again, horrible parenting. This woman shows up out of nowhere, says, I'm the new nanny. And they're like, oh, okay. And she insists on going up to see Damien by herself. Yeah. And they're like, they're maybe a little hesitant, but not much. And they just let this stranger go up to the kids' room. Right. And only like after five minutes are they like, 
Oh, you didn't call the nanny? Well, I didn't call yeah. the nanny. And they don't even really freak out then. They're just like, let's, well, let's go ask her yeah. about it. I'd be In like, the most polite who way. the fuck is this person? Right. Who then? the fuck are you? Oh my God. Right. Get out of here. Yeah. It's called teeth whitener. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it, <laughs> but no, I'm just nitpicking her, but she is great at being, that's what's so awesome about this nanny. I do, in one instance, really agree with the nanny where she's, I mean, I get it. She's trying to keep Damien out of a church, but she's like, like, how much is a five-year-old going to understand of oh. an Episcopal wedding? And I'm like, exactly. Keep your kids out of those situations. Leave your kids at home. Right. And and if anybody's ever been to church ever, <laughs> you know, right. screaming kid, like they don't, they don't need to be there. Um, so... I did say that the um, eventually the uh, it's the wife, which, by the way, I will say that as as a as a bit of a problem that I had. If Gregory Peck isn't going to show any emotion, at least is it Lee Remick? Is that her name? Yeah. And Lee Remick. Yeah. yeah. Or Lee Ann Remick. Lee Ann Remick. Lee okay. Remick, yeah. She I like her as the wife. And I like she's her a lot. good. And, yeah. and and she does a good job of uh, and I'm not trying to be shitty by saying this, but by being like an ambassador's wife. You know, like yeah. she's trying to to do the proper thing, but she also we see some of the humanity, we see some of the fear, we see some of the her uh, her self doubt. Like she should have had more of a role in this, yeah. I, I believe. Um, but she eventually decides to go see a psychologist who I couldn't decide was either um, <laughs> the a skinny version of the friend from Teen Wolf. Or Jason Sudeikis. Um, but, and you mean the fat friend, not Styles. You're right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. What was his name? Tiny? I don't remember. But wasn't he? Oh, no. He was in... Um, he was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Bridge, yeah, Bridge Episode. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, He's Francis so, in that. So he looks like that guy. So um, but, but the movie does do a good job of not having... Gregory Peck's character immediately believe in all this. Like yeah. he spends a lot of time being like, you're fucking crazy. Like he's, we should mention now that there's this Irish priest, uh, uh, father Brennan, yeah, who is trying to warn him of, you know, the, his son being the antichrist and, you know, Gregory Peck is stern with him, I guess. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Although I will, you know, if if it's as dire as your son will bring the literal end of man, like you got to be a little more direct other than like, okay, here's what I'm going to start with. You need to convert to Catholicism or right. whatever, you know, except Jesus Christ is your savior. Like it, it turns out he doesn't need to do that in order to kill the Antichrist. You're right. <laughs> like, either, yeah. Let's get, skip communion. Get, yeah, get your proselytizing shit out of here and just tell me what I got to do. Right. Yes. Um, I could drink the wine and eat the bread or stab him and finish this. Right. You should have led with the stabbing. And no, you're right. I mean, that's, you're right. I mean, and and again, it goes back to what you and I were talking about before the show about was the movie too long or not at two hours. But I agree with you. I don't think it is. Yeah, I, I think this it, was one where I was like, starting it, I was like, God damn it, almost two hours. But midway through, I'm like, I, I'm kind of into it because it's like we start unraveling the mystery, and yeah, we do have some jet setting around, and it's not just like creepy kid kills people, which I'm totally on board with oh by the way quick tangent thinking about how much i love like kids killing people oh yeah and 
I don't know why I hadn't thought of it before, but then just recently someone mentioned taking creative writing in high school, which was a class I took that I loved, and it like hit me like a ton of bricks. The reason I took that class was our friend Eric, oh, yeah. future guest Eric, wrote a series of stories about this kid Harvey mm-hmm. that would kill people. In a Grand Torino, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he had so there were like just a couple quick specifics. Like one was, yeah, he runs someone over with the Torino. And as the guy's laying crippled in, mind you, Harvey, four years old, yes. four year old child, while the guy's laying crippled in the street nonchalantly goes over, opens up the trunk, gets out like a piano wire and a tire iron and then ties the piano wire to the tire. And I just remember reading about how he's just like slowly walking toward the guys. He starts swinging this tire iron. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, this is nuts. I love this. I want to take that class. So yeah. Shout out to Harvey, the OG, my favorite child killer. Yeah, and for the Killer record, child. for the record, four year olds can be kind of shitty. <laughs> they can be. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> all great things are rooted in truth, you know. Uh, but no, that's you're right though. Like it's it's like uh, this whole thing is um, it's a lot cleaner when a kid kills. You know, it's not like uh, messy like I, they were like a veteran or something like that, and yeah. they're traumatized. When a kid kills, it's just like. I just want to do this. Right. And, um, and you know, also Damien doesn't kill anyone. In this no, movie. yeah, no, he's just kind of taking like it. They all are in. always like, don't let him kill me. He's going to kill he's your wife. It a little bit. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. Yeah. He like accidentally bumps his mom. Yeah. That's about it. Interesting how they did that shot too. that. They used a vertical wall for that. I was going to say that had to be because the way she twists. Yeah. So she, it was either they had her on, Something that rotated her, or she just spun. She, yeah, she's, she's falling off the railing. She's being yanked towards a, a, a wall that we would recognize, a vertical yeah. wall. Yeah. yeah. But, it's, but it looks weird, though. It looks really cool. But it, it's kind of cool, though. Yeah. You can tell there's something stylistic there's a, going yeah. on here. It's not, it's like it's not as bad as the, the psycho. psycho. Yeah. God damn, dude. Yeah. We were on the same page tonight. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Which is, by the way, kind of hilarious, that fall. But still pretty awesome. Right. But this is where, finally, thank God for people that are fans of humans in films, David Warner makes his entrance. Yeah. And not a moment too soon. I mean, we've seen this photographer who's just sort of creeping around throughout the movie. But now he's finally approaching... Uh, Gregory Peck's character to say like, look, I, you, I've got some stuff that you have to see. Yeah. And, um, and thankfully at another that one point, of these weird things where the plans of the supernatural are thwarted by a man-made mechanical device, the camera. Yes. Right. Because <laughs> of the magical properties within taking pictures, just capturing light on paper that can then pick up. Omens. Yeah. <laughs> Satan's got this plan no one's ever going to know no. as long as no one has a camera. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, we get this this kind of neat thing. But it's it's that element that you and I talk about in horror films a lot, which is that sort of like whether it's a, a knowledge of, um, you know, technology or science or mythology or anything like that. When, when it becomes putting these puzzle pieces together, mm-hmm. that's where it becomes fun as, as an audience member. Yeah. Um, where you're like, oh, that's really cool. And yeah, that does make sense. And so as David Warner's- Because they introduce it really early too, where he's 
very early in the film kind of developing a picture and is like, the fuck is this? Anyway. And he looks cool. He's got that weird, like, British sort of, like, bangs, but the long, like that page uh, oh, yeah. boy, like, what do they call that? Like, uh. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's like a. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, like a page boy, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he's just this kind of cool guy. Kind of like fun, not as garish Austin Powers. Clothes, right. Yeah. You know. Uh, exactly. A little fashion forward, but not in your face about it. Yeah. He's, he's like an artist. He's an artist. Right. Yeah. He's a f- <laughs> photographer. Look, I'm, speaking of pastors, the same pastors that said that they don't believe in the devil also told me at a wedding one time that photographers are a different breed, <laughs> and they are. They are. Generally, like not now, because a lot of people like pick it up as a, as a, you know, it's it's more uh, accessible now with our technology. Yeah. Way back when, now photographers you don't even have were to be weird. a good photographer. You just have to be good with uh, Photoshop, right? Exactly. You can do anything. Um, but thank God he comes into the movie. He he's got a real breath of fresh air as as a character, and we finally see Gregory Peck buying into the possibility of this. Yeah. So this is where we get all the fun 666 stuff. This is where we get somebody drawing the connection of the month, the day, the hour that Damien was born. Yeah. All of the puzzle pieces start kind of floating together. And then we're at least everybody's that, that matters is on the, the same page. Yeah. Um, Poor uh, Kathy, the wife, just can't catch a break outside of her own bones and is just, you know, holed up in the hospital and uh, pre- pretty much helpless. But we do get they I don't know. How far is a flight from London to Italy? Not that far. It's like two hours. OK. Yeah. So it's not that weird then that they just hopped on a plane and went to Italy. No. Because they have to go back to Rome. Yeah. They're like, let's go back to the hospital. Let's figure out exactly what happened. They go to the hospital and it's like, oh shit, that original hospital burned down. Yeah. So all the records are gone. But, you know, as luck would have it, there's a nun there and, you know, they... She remembers. Yeah. And so they eventually get back to the Italian priest. Now, the movie doesn't do a super... Uh, what I want to say, it doesn't spoon feed you exactly what happened. It doesn't go, it doesn't come right out and say there is a satanic cult that planned this whole thing. I mean, you pick it up, yeah, but they, they don't come right out and say it, but I don't, I don't think they need to. No. Um, but yeah, so they eventually find this priest who's fucked up. Oh my God. That face is yeah. awesome. And uh, he, from the what fire. Did he, what did he, oh, it's just from the fire. Yeah. Okay. I thought he was going to be like a leper thing. Something else. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. But yeah, one half of his face. It's a, from a fire. It's they from the said fire? it was from the fire. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because it looks like he has like elephantitis on the right side of his face. Yeah, it's not and a good. lizard eye. Yeah, he has a good side. <laughs> yeah, <he definitely. laughs> Speaking of photography, <laughs> um, but. He's also got a very, very bad side with an eye that doesn't do much. No. Um, but he, uh, the, he he uses his, let's call it, good hand to kind of write out the location of where Damien's mother is buried. Yeah. So this is, okay, this is a pretty cool scene. They go to this graveyard, and I don't know if the effects were fantastic. I'm pretty sure that it, at a couple scenes, they actually had Rottweilers in front of a movie screen of Gregory Peck and David Warner, and they just had the dogs barking at the screen. Oh. 
if you watch it, yeah, it's it's. I don't know if the dogs were always there in the scene. Okay, I think they might have filmed it with the dogs in front of a movie screen, gotcha. literally. Um, but I mean, it plays off. It plays fine. Um, but they there is a pretty badass reveal of who Damien's mother was. Yeah, and she was a jackal. <laughs> it was a jackal, and it's pretty cool. And and right, I, see, I I missed the spoken part about how he's born of a jackal. So when they open her grave or whatever, yeah. and it's an animal, I was just like, oh, they just like put an animal in there instead. Like what whatever happened. But now I'm realizing, oh, that is that is Damien's mother. Yeah. <laughs> and it has a name on it. And the name translates to if uh, in Italian, it's Mary of the Shadows is okay. actually what her name. Uh, tra- so it's basically Stop like naming your kid Mary. Right. It's basically like the. You know, there's the Antichrist. She's sort of like the anti-Mary. Like, right. she's like the devil Mary. Yeah. Because the 666 represents, like, the anti-Trinity. Yes. Right. I forget the three things they said. And there's all, yeah, there's all, like the, there's a the lot anti-father, of. anti-father, the anti-ghost. There's a lot of numerology in, in the Bible. Like, when they, when the Bible says uh, that Jesus wandered the forest for 40 days and 40 nights, 40, does, it doesn't mean 40 days and 40 nights. 40 represents like enough time. Right. That's what it means. Like he was, he was out there for long enough. Yeah. That's what 40 means. So um, everyone has that one number they use to represent like a large amount. And yeah. just whoever wrote the Bible, his was 40. Yeah. Right. Exactly. My sister used to have a shirt in high school that just had a big like 90 on it. Yeah. She bought it at a concert and she's like, what does the 90 mean? And like the stoner kid that made it, he's like, you ever see anybody like driving down the highway really fast? And you're like, man, that guy's going like 90. <laughs> Literally, it's a true story. Um, so that was his 40, was 90. But anyhow, so they find that. And if there's ever a moment, and I don't want to give him too much credit, if there's ever a moment that seems like kind of halfway okay emotion from Gregory Peck, it's where he opens then his son's grave. Yeah. Because he's thinking like what you're thinking. Like, did they just put animals in here just to like yeah. have a body? Yeah. But it is a quote unquote, a rather large infant, but infant skeleton with a skull fracture, a very obvious skull fracture of a gaping hole. Yes. It right. Yeah. Like they, they fucking 12 pounded the shit out of yeah. that kid. And, um, and, uh, and he's, you know, he just, uh, he, all he says is like murderers, you know, but it's, you at least kind of feel that he's upset about the fact right. that his real child died yeah. or was murdered. Um, so now we know what's happening. Now, Gregory Peck is, is, as aware as he's going to be of the reality of the situation. Everybody is yeah. as, as we are as viewers, but there's still one more hurdle for him. And that is, even if the kid is the son of the devil, which he's pretty well convinced of now, Yeah, when they go find the strangely named German fella, right? Archaeologist Bugenhaden. Yes. When they go to find him, which of course they have to travel somewhere. Yeah. And right. And the um, province of Florenza, or I forget that. Right. Um. So at least this guy knows exactly what to do, and he's like, "These are the exact knives that you have to have." Apparently, the devil is unaware of the fact that there is a set of cutlery that will, you know, who made those? Right. Why did they make those? Right, and and also, 
to the nanny. If your job is just to, she's like, I'm here to make sure that nothing happens to Damien. Um, and then I learn later, well, the only way he can die is if he's uh, killed in a church with these knives. Uh, you don't really have to be a nanny. Just either A, go find those knives, or B, uh, guard the church by the, his house. Yeah. <laughs> Teflon. You know, put him in a bulletproof <laughs> vest or whatever. Like, I mean, it's, it's if there's literally a set of knives in the desert uh, several continents yeah, away. Yeah, can't tell you where those are. Yeah. So <laughs> sorry. Talking through dogs is my limit. I can't do everything. <laughs> right. I had to turn into a dog to fuck <laughs> another sort of dog <laughs> to make a human baby. Like, I can't be expected to think of everything. Um, but, yeah. should be clear. It was a virgin jackal. It, right. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, <laughs> or, or does Satan have to, like, this is the whoriest jackal we've got. This jackal's <laughs> right. fucked everything it can. Because it's got to be the antithesis of a virgin birth, Well, that's, right? yeah. So it's just a, a slutty birth. Yeah. Satan was born of a slutty birth. Yeah, uh, yeah, like it's just a slut jackal. <laughs> that that's a great word. <laughs> fucking slut, slut jackal jackals. over there. Look at that fucking oh, slut jackal. Um, <laughs> that's great. It's, uh, put it on the t-shirt. So, um, but at this point, the that's my new band name. I wrote, "Please kill Blaylock." Um, <laughs> that's the nanny. The uh, you know the the thing is is that. The movie has fully shifted into high gear now. Like, it, I mean, we, we finally have a horror movie on our hands. Yeah. But before we get to that point, though, we the have second a second most famous part of the movie. A fantastic death. Yes. Uh, like, so well done that I'm glad that they, like, showed it a couple of times. If you're going to slice somebody's head off with a pane of glass, <laughs> like, it's good enough that the glass just goes through the throat. But to have the head roll, roll end over end, <laughs> the whole length of the glass as it's slicing, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. A, a, a fantastic achievement in, in special yeah. effects. And, I'll, and what's great, and I, I kind of like talked about it if you haven't seen it, like the, the omens in the photos. So it's like he, he, you know, he's showing Gregory Peck. I've taken some pictures of like, here's here's your nanny that killed herself. And then this particular, oh, this is weird. Like there's this weird gray line kind of hanging by her and oh look here's a picture of her where she hung herself and the ro- the rope resembles this weird mark yeah and then the priest he takes a picture of he's like here's a weird splotch and that guy's impaled by like you know the lightning rod on top of a, a church that falls off yeah uh and he's standing up so like his photograph looks like that and he's like also i went you know i went to I forget where he took the pictures. Oh, at the uh, priest's apartment. Yeah. That's where they're at. He's allowed in. Yeah. He like made a deal with the cops or whatever. He's like, I got, I got some stuff I want to go check out in there. That's cool. Yeah. Right. And they're like, right. yeah, go. he's a weirdo anyway. Right. Um, but he's like, I accidentally took a picture of myself in the mirror and his picture in the mirror. There's kind of a weird slash across his throat indicating as we learn later, he gets beheaded, beheaded. Yeah. Now, Tim, if you were Gregory Peck, what is the first thing you would ask him after he tells you all of this? Well, I would say. Here's is, what I'm going to get. Yeah. Got any pictures of me? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Will you or take my Damien. picture? Like, Will you take yeah. my picture? Yeah. yeah. Do you have any pictures of me, my wife, my child? Right. 
or anybody like literally like I could right. I could be like superhero and save somebody like right, you know right yeah um, what a what a, a power you've uncovered yeah, exactly here. right um but you know you're right and and it's it's a fantastic death and w- what I was getting at earlier with the one last hurdle that he has is that despite him knowing that his son is the devil or the antichrist he still is struggling with the idea of, can I really stab a child? Right. Because, I mean, there was a time where he didn't think that his son was the devil. Right. Like, you know, or the and son of the even devil. even if you were like, yeah, I go to church and I believe all this is real, no one then goes, yeah, my son's the ant. Yeah, I have to right. kill my child. And, you know, even like, if- That's where you start going, well, maybe that part's not as real as uh, everyone else thinks. And maybe, and you know, if you had actually been that particular child's father, you probably would have said something like, yeah, I'm not overly fond of the kid. Like, <laughs> he's not the best kid, right. really. I mean, he kind of sucks. Yeah, you heard him yeah. and his pool ball. If there were a kid I were to stab to death, it probably would be my son. <laughs> but I'm still struggling um, just because of, like, convention. But, um, but eventually when... When David Warner gets decapitated, that's when he's like, well, fuck this. Yeah. Then. Like, I, like I, the I, picture. I have to do this. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he does. And this is where we do get some. I mentioned it earlier, but we do get some really neat tension in this movie where he does have to go back into his house and he's got the dog to contend with. Yeah. He's got Blaylock to contend with. And, you know, let alone the the Antichrist. So he's, you know, there's a lot of silence. There's not a lot of yeah. score. He's creeping around the that house. Really cool. He's dealing with the dog. It's a really, really nice stretch of the yeah. movie. I love it. And um, and eventually, you know, he does, because he's still benefited the doubt, has to make sure that he's got that 666 on his head. So he cuts his hair while the Damien's sleeping. He finds it for sure. He battles Blaylock, who... Kind of holds her own. I yeah. mean, this lady's fucking well, crazy. She, you know, she's got a lot on the line here. Yeah, she does. Yeah. She and wants it more. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And um, so we get that whole action. And then eventually, as he gets, as he finally takes Damien into the church and he's ready to, to stab him, unfortunately, Gregory Peck's character has been injured a little bit in the fights along the way. Right. So he's a little slow going. If he had been like 100% strength, he probably would have just run right down to the altar, stabbed that fucking kid to death (laughs) eight times or however many, and we would have been fine. But he's he's wounded. Um, So it takes a minute. And but, you know, the funny thing is, is if he had not sped in his car right away from his house if he had just driven like the speed limit yeah that cop would have probably thought nothing of it yeah no but they were just like whoa diplomat car acting crazy yeah we don't want this to become an international incident <laughs> right yeah so, <laughs> so as make sure you just shoot him immediately as he's ready to stab damien he himself is shot and can't you know finish the deed yeah Cut to uh, just another example that the Marines have the best dress uniforms of any branch of the military. Good looking, good looking uniforms. Yeah. At the uh, at the funeral. And, uh, you know, he's he's buried with honors, you know, along with his wife. And um, now I do think it's a little funny that they imply that Damien is. With the president. Now they yeah, say, that's the crazy thing. Like the president's like, 
I'll take this child. Right. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it wasn't like he was, he was my closest ambassador. Right. It wasn't like he was the vice president's kid. <laughs> right. Just some rando ambassador. Yeah, we do not know that he knows the president at all. Like you can get promoted in, a, in an ambassadorship without being like BFFs with the president. And I think that they, and I don't know this for sure, but in the second film, it's his uh, brother. Yes. That adopts him. And he's the Who president. Who was originally supposed to play right. the part, and he was like, too risky for me. Yeah, right. Oh, it made $60 million? Yeah, all right, yeah, all right, okay, yeah let's do it. <laughs> um, and and Damien Omen 2 is actually really good. Well, maybe someday we'll cover that, but it's 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 good. Yeah. The third one is with Sam Neill. I totally forgot that even exists, the final conflict. Somebody... Where he's like an old man. Within four years... We get three Omen movies, and he ages uh, 30 years. And somebody told me, I want to pull this up here now. I'm not saying that this is gospel, but I heard from someone. What did they say? I think there was a fourth Canadian television movie. I heard uh, the one with Sam Neill, just a a fan of the show, they said is, is great. They said the remake with uh, Julia Stiles and uh, Liev Schreiber is yeah. trash. Yeah. I haven't I seen I believe that. Yeah. You just watch the trailer and you're like, Ugh. Yeah. Because there's even a shot of when she falls to, when she has the miscarriage, yeah. where she falls off the banister and it looks similar, but it's not, but it's not, and it's not as good. Like Ugh. there's something about how unique that shot is in this movie yeah. that makes it cool. But this, you're just like, oh yeah, all right. Yeah, the kid like sucks in it too. Talks too much. Now let's talk about some fun stuff, shall let's we? Let's go. Okay. Um, we got to, we got time. All right. So <laughs> this is just I'm just gonna throw this out. I think it was neat that the uh, Harvey Stevens, who is plays the the part of Damien, yeah, got the role because the director had the kids like tussle with him a little bit. Like he wanted a kid that was, it was willing to go for it. Cause he knew that there were some scenes where yeah. Damien had to go nuts. And the whole reason why Harvey got, he didn't have the right hair color. He didn't have his hair was curly. It was blonde, which they straightened it and dyed it for the movie. But the kid went so hard that he uh, clawed the director in the face and kicked him in the balls. <laughs> And he's like, you're hired, you know? <laughs> so that's how the kid got the job, right? Kicking the director in the balls. Now, here's what's really interesting. After this movie came out, there was a series of unfortunate events that a lot of people have, have led a lot of people to believe that this movie is cursed. Right. So uh, Gregory Peck and David Seltzer, within eight hours of each other, uh, shortly after the movie came out, were on flights that both separate airplanes, both planes were struck by lightning, but managed to, to land. There was also a plane that was chartered for the majority of the, the lead cast and some production crew as they were going to a different location for whatever reason, they had to cancel that particular, you know, reservation and, and reschedule it the people that did end up taking that charter plane all died when it crashed. Yeah. So that, that was actually something that was during production. Okay. Um, 
But here's the weirdest. This is the best. John Richardson, who is the special effects guy who was behind, you know, that great, you know, beheading and everything, went on to do a movie called A Bridge Too Far. And it was uh, maybe about a year after The Omen came out. And he was in the car. He had a passenger, a female friend. I think she was also working on the movie. And they were somewhere in the Netherlands. And he got into a car accident. And it was such a bad car accident. He survived. She was cut in half. I think actually beheaded. And when he pulled himself out of the wreckage, there was a road sign for this nearby town, which is spelled O-M-M-E-N, which is Omen. (laughs) Uh Would you like to guess how many kilometers away this city was? Uh, Like 327. 66.6 kilometers away. Yes. (laughs) Fucking the sign said Omen, and it was 66.6 kilometers away. Now, you could say to yourself. Thank God it wasn't 666 kilometers away, because that would have meant something. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that decimal just throws Yeah, I don't know how into, you know, fractions God is. Now, somebody might, like, say, oh, that's bullshit or whatever. But, like, somebody died. Like, you wouldn't just right. use that as marketing. Like, uh, who, right. Who, I, but then I again, mean, I will say it sounds like from your stories, uh, two planes were hit by lightning and nothing bad happened. And one plane crashed that could have had more people on it, but didn't. So it sounds like actually a lot of miracles happened. Well, that's true. Yeah. Thank Terrible God about the lady who lost her head. Yeah, right. Yes. Um. It, what might make you feel a little bit better. No goldfish were harmed in this movie. Oh, thank God. When uh, uh, Lee Remick falls off the banister, falls, and she's sort of on the floor, and there's this that great goldfish bowl fall yeah. that we see where this uh, bowl of goldfish shatters. Goldfish were not used because they're kind of flopping around next to her. Uh-huh. Those were fake sardines painted orange. Oh, wow. Because the director just really didn't want to kill any goldfish. Wow. So, and how many of us have very much killed goldfish yeah, after like several. a night at the f- the school fun fair? Oh God! You win some on the cake. My walk. first goldfish, uh, we got it uh, trickered. We you could trick or treat downtown. Well, they still do that. Yeah, uh, but we had the pet and hobby store, and they would give out goldfish. You get a goldfish in a bag, trick or treating. And my first one, I got it. And then that next morning, I got up early, and my mom came downstairs as I'm just like. Dropping sweet tarts into its bowl. Oh. That fucking thing was dead. Oh, sure. With a bowl full of candy. <laughs> you know, I was there for the Pet and Hobby Shop fire. Oh. This uh, this wonderful store that we had in our town had like model airplanes and kites. And it was a hobby shop. But it also the first the- half was all hobby shit. Yeah. You could get little the pewter figurines and paints. Yeah, model rockets, planes. Yeah. And then the back was all like fish and some saltwater fish and animals like, I mean, like chinchillas. One tarantula. Yeah, tarantulas, uh, you know, birds and stuff. Exactly where they kept the tarantula. Oh, of course. I'm sure you do. (laughs) So I lived just, I lived on the same street that that store was on down several blocks, but I just happened to be downtown riding my bike. 
and when that fire was literally when the flames are literally coming out what was so fucking badass is that they had no choice but just to let let the animals go yeah so i'm sitting there in the midwest like in Pee-wee's big see, adventure i see like a fucking african parrot just <laughs> fly out of there like freedom at last right. like this giant white parrot i'm like that is so weird <laughs> just flying like in the midst of our downtown uh, cityscape it was it was really cool um but and now they're everywhere. Right. <laughs> Little yeah. did we know they were an invasive yeah. species. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at least they're not Asian. Um, but uh yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, that's like, oh but they say those carp are bad. Though. Yes, the yes, those carp I've heard are that, bad. Yeah. yeah. Um but uh I've just I'm gonna stop myself. Yes. Um <laughs> I'm back on track to just railing on uh, Christianity. No. Um, hey, this is uh, a movie that I, I think I mentioned this in the when we were teasing in the last episode that I was questioning whether or not this movie has held up as far as the test of time of, of popularity. Yeah. And, and I don't know the answer to that. I'd, I'd like to think that it's a, a, you know, kind of a placeholder in horror that while it might not be a, a chainsaw or, you know, um, as as eight movie franchise or something like that, that at least people know about the omen. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, are 20 year olds out there seeing the omen from 1976? Yeah, I don't think so. And it might be because of Gregory Peck. Like, I think if there were someone in this with a more, you know, like a Nicholson in The Shining, like a, a not I mean, that performance kind of made that movie. But it's funny that you mentioned that, though, because there's like, let's talk about that mantle, right? So you'll have movies like uh, The Shining or like um, just quintessential horror movies. It's not like this is that many tiers down, though. No. And great concept. New concept. Right. Like the story is pretty new. Sure. I think that's why it was so popular with audiences. Like critics seemed pretty like eh about it. Yeah. Some were like, good movie, but no one was like, instant classic. Watch out, box office. People are going to love this movie, you know. I wonder what it's rated. Oh, yeah. I don't know. R for Satanism. Scary stuff. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I, I said I wasn't going to bring up Nathan Fielder, but actually. <laughs> yes. In his new show. I'm just going to go take a piss. In his new from, HBO yeah. show, The Rehearsal, which just had its season finale. And dude, I don't I don't even know what to think about that show. It's on another level. It's so good. But one of the women in it is very Christian and there's a, you know, and he's like fake raising this child with her and she keeps talking about things that are satanic and at one point he's just like maybe you could just make a list of things that aren't satanic or that are satanic and I'll like know like what to go cuz it seems like right. everything is. Yeah. It's it's scary. Right. Right. You don't well, want to fucking piss off the devil. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. I, I, you know, can you still make a movie about the devil? I mean, we've covered some like newer devil stuff, haven't we? Uh, yeah, House of the Devil. Yeah. Um, that kind one, of uh, ready well, or not? What was that one? What was the movie with the painter dude? Oh yeah, piece uh, pieces of candy or whatever. Yeah, or yeah, uh, devil's candy. Yeah. But did that have to do specifically with the devil? Uh, I can't remember. I don't know. I kind of forgot yeah. about that movie right after I watched it. 
Well, I'll tell you what. Um, do you have anything more to say about Nathan? Why I could piss for fifteen seconds? Yeah, I'm gonna. No, I'm I'll gonna say li- that I'll go on a little short tirade about. Let me ask. Well, I okay. guess I can't ask you a question because you're gonna go to the bathroom. But as far as the devil being a bad guy, I don't know. I can't pose this question by myself. Let's see. What can I talk about alone while Tim's gone? Uh, definitely like David Warner. Again, uh, we've covered David Warner in Waxwork. Uh, this is my time to, again, plug Time Bandits. He plays Pure Evil in Time Bandits, a movie directed by Terry Gilliam. One I saw uh, when I was four years old in the theater. Scared the shit out of me. It's uh, become one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, yeah, he was in Tron. He was the bad guy in Tron. David Warner rules. Uh, let's see. What else? I don't know. You know, I really liked this movie despite uh, all the religious overtones of it. I can get I can get around that. I actually like good religious thrillers. Uh, I don't mind, in a fictional sense, using that story as a backdrop because uh, it is scary. It's uh, worked really well in scaring a lot of people over the course of time. Cool, Tim's back. I can ask my kind of rhetorical question here, but you know, if we're if I'm gonna go by. Um, just uh, interpretations of the Bible itself. Like who's the bad guy here? If I were just to describe two people, one guy who uh, wants uh, your undying uh, servitude and worship Mm. or one guy who kind of wants you to know like what life is like and like gives you the gift of knowledge and with a difference between good and bad and right and wrong. It's a fair question. I, I, I don't know if I've talked about him on the show before. There was a, a Satanist that I knew by the name of art. He was a tattoo artist and I asked him like, what, what makes you a Satanist? And he's like, well, I just, I just do whatever I want to do. And I'm like, okay, like what? And he's like, well, he's like, you know, if I want to just make a sandwich out of like pixie sticks and then, you know, go to the bar and fuck some stranger in the ass, like, I'll just do it. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, I, I don't know if it's enough yeah. to build a religion I don't know why you around need a yeah. belief system there. <laughs> right? Yeah, you could just do those things. Think, but there are a lot. Like Satanism is like that's really kind of a we don't have. It's kind of a, a it's become a like sarcastic response. Sure, they treat it very seriously. Like there are, I think the Church of Satan, while not a like church per se, almost like an activist group. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, and you're right. An activist group more centered on freedom yeah. than they think they than I think they are necessarily like on. If you're going to impose your religious views on me, let me show you how I what that's like to me by then making like forcing my antithesis sure. views on you because based on your argument. They're the same thing. Yeah, it's kind of more. I mean, yeah, it's it's not out and out. It's kind of just a, like a celebration of hedonism, yeah. you know, of, of, you know, and it was kind of, believe it or not, like, I mean, we're talking a very select group people, a uh, group of people here, but even well predating 1976 in the 60s, um, it was kind of a thing in like uh, one of the most famous Satanists of all time, uh, Jane Mansfield. Really? Yeah, bl- blonde bombshell yeah. actress loved Satanism. <laughs> Couldn't get enough. Close friends with Anton Lavey, and uh, there's lots of like cute pictures of her with Anton Lavey, and he's got his horns oh on, and she's God. like holding a skull and stuff. It's really cute. That's hilarious. And um, yeah, so it's it's. I understand what you're saying. It's kind of like, especially if we're talking about God the Father, like not Jesus, but God the Father, who was like he makes people. 
he they piss him off one day and he's like, well, I'm just going to kill all of you. But like this family right. and, and the animals, yes. you know, and, and so you're right. Like as a non-Christian, there's plenty for you to look at and be like, you know, because it's even bragged about in the Bible, like God is a vengeful God. Yeah. And so it's like, well, that doesn't sound real nice. You know, I'd rather like follow Santa Claus or somebody that's, <laughs> right, you know, right. a sweet dude. But um, no, so you you make a good point. But the thing is, um, there is something to be said for why should you have to scare people? to get them to follow something that you feel is such a beautiful thing. Exactly. And, and that's a great question. Um, and that's why I think that it's holding a little less water these days than it has in the past. Yeah. Um, and why there it, might be such a hard, desperate attempt to <laughs> hang on to it. And sure. It. But I will tell I you the, this movie contains its own omen. A man determining whether or not a woman can have an abortion. Oh, right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Fair point. Um, and I, 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 you know, that just, for whatever reason, that just reminds me of, I, I wrote down something just terrible. I, I wrote down, uh, how do you get somebody to stop this movie if you're watching it in Italy? You say, oh, man, a pause. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so it's like the worst joke I've ever written. I've only written three jokes in my life. It's the worst. Oh man, the pause. Um, but, uh, anyhow, back to your original point, we're just going to forget that that happened. Um, put, just play fall break over that part if you would. Um, uh, but the thing is, is that the way that people are now, the way that people are now in answer to your question is I think people, while not Satanists, go about their Christianity with a lot more freedom than years past. Yeah. I think you'll find that maybe a lot of Christians that might be listening to the show or, or not have Christian fundamental beliefs, but maybe they adapt it a little bit more for um, something that is a little bit kinder or more fitting of an accepting society. Oh, sure. So uh, now you might say, well, doesn't that adaptation go against the rules themselves? Exactly. And isn't that blasphemy in and of itself? Well, exactly. you might have a point, but I guess it's just, just coincidentally, everyone, uh, their own personal views always seem to line up with what religion they choose to follow. Right. What a, yeah. What a coincidence. The God I worship thinks the exact same things I do. Yeah. And it was the exact same religion that my parents happened to teach me <laughs> yeah, that exactly. I would have otherwise yeah. not Weird. known about. Weird. Yeah. Fair, fair. All of these things fair and all really interesting questions. Look, whether you believe in 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 Christianity or any other religion, it's it makes for a fascinating topic. Yes. Regardless. Yeah. I mean, we got a good, 60 million dollars. Yeah, we got a good chunk of an episode out of this without me talking about eight episodes <laughs> of Nathan for you. So that's right, pretty yes. good. And I think uh, I think we're going to be able to do that next week, too, because we got a real doozy. By the yeah. Way. A movie that. Have you seen it? I I have seen it once, but it was a movie that I saw a very little bit of. It, it's The Hitcher from 1986. Yeah. So I'm in like fifth grade, I think. I saw a little bit of it on HBO and then immediately had to like go somewhere with my parents and it was at night. Oh. So just like being in the car and I just like was sure The Hitcher was like 
always next to the car, you know. So it took me a while to like watch the movie. I think I watched it in like college, I think. Uh, but yeah, awesome movie. I can't wait to talk. I can't wait to rewatch it because I did like it when I eventually saw it. So I'm excited about watching The Hitcher. It's going to be great. I, it was a kind of a HBO staple. Um, yeah. My dad's a huge fan of that movie. And it was kind of like, um, it was neat when actors could have a mystique. And there, once upon a time, Rucker Hauer was kind of seen as a little bit of a weird dude. Yeah. Like, and I he's mean, it's just that he was scary, that, yeah, he's that good on screen. So I cannot, I haven't seen it in, I don't know, 30 years, yeah. 35 years. Um, See so, Thomas Howell? Yeah. Not in blackface. Right. Correct. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Important distinction. Yeah. So until later. <laughs> right. And Jennifer Jason Lee? <clears throat> yes. Yeah, okay. Vic Morrow's daughter. Yeah. 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 Interesting. All right. Looking forward to that. Okay. So that's next week. It's The Hitcher. Uh, please uh, shoot us a rating wherever you get your podcasts on like Apple or Spotify or whatever. Check out our website, slumberpodcastmassacre.com. Shoot us an email, slumberpodcast at gmail.com. You got a recommendation for us? Uh, uh, do you want to hate on me for being such a blasphemous asshole? That I understand. Uh, check out our uh, Twitch stream. I ch- Dude, I, tr- <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to keep a regular schedule. And then I went to stream and my internet went out like oh. 20 minutes in. And it's, but you can hear me on the stream talking about a large explosion I heard outside and there are sirens. Oh, I heard that explosion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. And then my internet dropped yeah. soon after that. So Tuesdays and Thursdays come on. I'm going to also try and do it a little earlier because I did get a couple messages like, Every time I'm like about to go to bed, it's like, oh, Slumber Podcast Massacre just went live on Twitch. So <laughs> I thought I'd do it late at night, scarier time. Yeah. But yeah, I guess people do go to bed and don't, you know. So Weirdos. I'll try and do it a little earlier. Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm going to try and make it a regular thing. Come hang out. We'll talk about horror movies and all that stuff. Video games. Horror movie video games. Yeah. Or none of it. Uh yeah, and a huge thanks to our patrons. You helped make this show possible. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much. Uh next week, the hitcher Tim, do you got anything else to say about the omen? Well, not the omen, but I will say regular rarely do we ever give a sort of like in memoriam on this, but yeah. I do want to say uh sad to hear about the passing of Q Lazarus. Well, who's that? The singer of Goodbye Horses. From the famous Buffalo Bill scene in Silence of the Lambs. Oh. Yeah, I know. It's kind of sad. Really mysterious person, artist, uh, you know, cranked out this, like, really haunting, awesome song, and then just kind of disappeared into obscurity. Uh, died just a handful of days ago. Oh. Which, one of the few, the rare in memoriams that it would be totally acceptable to say, like, would you fuck me? <laughs> I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think that Q Lazarus would be okay with that. And if you haven't heard the song Goodbye Horses, check it out because it's fucking haunting and awesome. Yeah. Or watch Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. We should do that someday. Someday we will. Yeah, should we go for that person? <laughs> okay. All right. I'll <laughs> see you next week. Bye. Bye. But a size 14. <laughs>